Gate, a series where we discuss how we can live and love more like Jesus each and every day. I am Pastor John. I'm Pastor Eric. And today we have a very fun topic to discuss. What do you got for us today? Remembering God. It's a nice one. Yeah. About actively remembering, not just realizing. Yeah, we've we in our ministry uh, just recently read through Deuteronomy chapter eight where Moses is talking to the Israelites as they're getting ready to take the promised land. And he talks about this idea of remembering God and who he is. And it just struck us um, as worship leaders, as, as musicians, as Christians, how often we forget what God has done for us, what God promises us, really who we are as, as his children. And as I've been doing more and more study, I've come to realize this is not a new problem. It's not. It's in Deuteronomy after all. <laughs> so it's not new, but it's it's uh, part of the human experience. I mean, we would love to say in this day and age, we hear the saying, what have you done for me lately? And while we would say it's a modern phenomenon, it's not. It's consistently, what have you done for me lately? We see over and over again the the antithesis, the, the opposite of that, where it says Israel forgot God. and. We forgot who he is. So remembering is the antidote to forgetting, which is a, which is a great way to go. What came out of Deuteronomy 8? So um, starting in verse 2, and, and I'm not going to read all of Deuteronomy 8 quite a bit, but verse 2 says, uh, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so he starts off with, why did you just go through this giant trial? Then he goes into what God has done in verses three and four. He talks about how God provided manna from heaven, manna that their fathers did not know, clothes that would not wear out so that they could continue to walk. He talks about what you will have to them. So he goes from what God has done, why he did it, what he gave them and then what they will have. And they just, it's just a giant list of the promised land, right? Like you will have flowing streams, you will have pomegranates, you will have honey, you will have all this stuff. Why you will forget is what he hits next. Your hearts will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery because of what they have and because of the position that God has put them in. And then he finishes it with what will happen when you do forget verses 19 to 20, he says, and if you forget the Lord, your God and go out after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish. He says, like the other nations that you're about to have perished before you. Yeah. And it's this beautiful story wrapped up into one chapter. And, and I mean, the, the chapters on either side affirm that, but of, of the reasons why we get to this point of forgetting God yeah, there's a, uh, you, you, as you were talking, you brought out an interesting pattern in that when we receive Christ, it's a whole new experience. We're very excited by that. Yeah. And it's a supernatural experience. And you were talking about how God provided manna and their clothing didn't wear out and there was always water and provision. That's fantastic. But those are supernatural things that then became mundane because they were so repetitive and went yeah. over and over again. And I think that's exactly how we end up. We start off new in Christ with all this excitement and zeal. And it's not that we have to have that same uh, overarching enthusiasm as much as we need to stay centered upon that God provides us things every day. There's a Jewish tradition, and there's some Jewish traditions that are really worth adopting. They have a tradition in some of their um, uh, 
uh, congregations, some of their theologies that says every moment should be about prayer. In other words, the example that was yeah. was given to me was they wake up in the morning and they say, thank you for letting me wake up this morning. Mm. They recognize that God is the one who gives life and breath. They 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 take their their showers, their baths. Thank you for providing water. Everything becomes a moment of thanks, and it's a way of remembering that keeps them centered on God. Rather than as we so often do, we get comfortable. And when we get comfortable, we get more focused on our comfort and ourselves and don't recognize where all those comforts come from. And that's an unfortunate place. And then we get into trouble. And what do we do? I, we, we run back to God because we're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. It's a great warning from Deuteronomy about remembering and the importance of it. The quintessential example of that cycle, Judges. Yeah. Yeah. Where we see the Israelites time and time again get into this com this comfortable place. They forsake the ways of God. They end up at the bottom. God raises up a judge to judge them and put them through hard times, bring them through hard times, back to a place of providence. And the cycle continues again. Over and over again. As soon as they're given peace, they take the peace for granted. And there's application to all our relationships. How many times have we gotten to a place in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a marriage, where things have become, they're going well, so we forget to do the things that keep them going well. Mm. We take one another for granted, and as a result, we begin to lose connection. It's no different in our relationship with God. When we things are going well and we take him for granted, then we're going to be slowly putting distance between ourselves and God because we're more about the comfort than the one who granted the comfort. And it's an unfortunate thing, but it's, it's human nature, which is why I think the scripture is right here for us to remind us of that. Yeah. Yeah. So... You're a new convert. Yeah. You you have that moment of aha. You have that moment of understanding that apart from Christ, we are nothing. We understand that we are sinful. We understand we need a savior. And then when we receive Jesus Christ as our savior, that's that beautiful moment where, where you feel like you're on top of the world, like you can do anything because you finally start to understand what his sacrifice has meant for us. What is the... What is the thing that really enters in first that starts to cause us to, to turn away from that? My favorite thing to think about Satan and the way that he likes to deal with us is one degree of difference at a time. Yeah. If he can make you turn one degree at a time, you're not even going to know your focus is being taken off of Jesus. So what do, what do you think, um, especially in, in new believers, is the biggest danger for them? Well, for new believers, when we, when we start off, everything's new. Everything's exciting. I remember being a, a new believer in my teens. And I couldn't learn enough. Mm -hmm. But once it started becoming mundane, and what do I mean by that is the everyday, I began to forget. Mm -hmm. I began to realize how special I was. It's one thing to realize I've been delivered from sin and the excitement of that. And you realize how much things have changed because your whole spirit's been renewed by the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. But then it starts becoming just something I do every day. And rather than recognize the uniqueness of the specialness of being delivered, I take it for granted. And that is, that's, it doesn't take much. It's, it, I don't even think the enemy has to change us a lot because we're, we're going to just take the reins and run with it because our entire previous lives was patterned after seeking comfort and finding our personal needs, our selfish needs met. So it's easy to just get us to turn just barely and we will start down that path if we're not mindful to stay on that path. Which is an interesting thing to think that God here was saying, here's some ways you need to stay on the path. Here's some ways you need to remember. And I think those are important for us to discuss. Yeah. Uh, 
It's amazing. Um, so some of the ways that the ancient Israelites would remind themselves and, and maybe not even just limiting ourselves to ancient Israelites, but going into just scripture and what we see believers doing. Um, the first thing that came to my mind were Ebenezer's yeah. and not Scrooge, um, which I think <laughs> before I became a Christian, well, really before I became a pastor, even as I was a Christian, Ebenezer's just seemed like a really weird word to me in scripture. No one ever explained what they were. And so Ebenezer Scrooge was the only thing I had to to kind of compare it against. But let's talk about Ebenezer's. So Ebenezer's are, are markers. They are things that help us to remember. Um, there's lots and lots of examples of them. When Joshua crosses the Jordan River, they take rocks. I love they, that story. They set them up and they, those are Ebenezer's. And it actually says in the passage, when your children ask, what is the meaning of these rocks? You were to tell them, this is when the Lord your God brought us across the Jordan safely. So they become markers and places where we can see what God has done. Um, there are numbers of them, but what are some other ones that, that you think about when you think about Ebenezer's? I mean, off, off the top of my head, I, I know um, when uh, Jacob goes up north and he and he meets God there at, um, at El Bethel, right? And it says that he builds that stone thing and he pours out the oil on top of it. And he says, it was, surely this is the place where God dwells. But for him, it was a moment of realizing God wasn't tied to his home. It was he, God was going to actually follow with him and, and take him up and through. So these moments of God doing something spectacular. Mm -hmm. And I think even if it, looking back to Abraham and the wells and and the, the stories of him having to fight off and build new wells and all that stuff, I think in a way those are Ebenezer's too, where he's naming them after what God provided for him in those times, whether it was uh, dealing with the, the various different kingdoms that were around him or providing water in the desert. Um, we see all these different areas in which there's a physical thing that helps us to remind us of what God has done. Um, so bringing it forward to today. Well, can I keep in the past? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a couple of chapters before the one we're talking about in Deuteronomy 6 is that that passage of scripture that we always talk about as being the Shema, which is Hebrew for here. Mm -hmm. Listen up. This is important. And it's the passage that is the most quoted passage in the world today because every good Jewish family says it in the morning and in the evening. And many of our people will remember, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strengths. These commands I give you to be upon your hearts, to press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Put them on your door frames and on your gates. Those are a different form of Ebenezer. They are things of remembrance. Yeah. So if you go to uh, a Jewish household today or a household that's adopted this idea of an Ebenezer, my own house, just inside the door, I have something called a mezuzah. And it's, it's a little thing and it has Hebrew writing on it. And inside of that little container nailed to the wall is the Shema and other pieces of scripture. And now this is where Ebenezer's can be good and bad. Because for so many people, they become magical items. Yeah. They walk out the door and they rub it. You'll see in a lot of households where it's worn down because they just rub it. But they're rubbing it not to remember God, but as a good luck charm. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of what an Ebenezer is supposed to be. It's supposed to remind us, I am with you today and everything that I do, I have provided for you today. Those are Ebenezers that are worth keeping yeah. you know, on, our, on our bodies. So people uh, keep things in their house. A plaque on the wall is an Ebenezer read it and actually don't just look at it. Oh, it's pretty. No, it's no re let it remind you of who God is. Those are all Ebenezer's that are important. And it was prescribed 
in this Shema. Mm. This is what God wants his people to do. He wants us to do it. Yeah. You were talking about bringing it forward. So what are you thinking? Well, I think, uh, you know, I go to, we have a, a small group that meets, uh, it's a bunch of young families and all throughout the house, we have different scripture things. One of the things I love is, um, one of our families in their bathroom on their mirror has, uh, Philippians four written up there, uh, as an encouragement to themselves to not give in to anxiety and the, and the full scripture is there so that they can read it every morning as they're getting ready. And I think that's an important thing, too, uh, for us to be able to take God's word and put it in a way that's accessible for us. I know some people use post-it notes. Yeah. Some people have magnets on their fridge. Uh, some people have it as the screensaver on their phone. So when they open their phone up in the morning, that's what they see is they see God's word sitting there. Um, when I was younger, there was a group I was involved with and uh, very big into scripture memory. And this was long before smartphones, uh, which probably says something interesting about my age. But nonetheless, uh, we would write them on three by five cards. So here's the memory verse I'm working on. And you would tape it to your mirror, but you'd also take it with you and put it in the dash of your car. You just kept it in front of you all the time. That serves as an Ebenezer, a way to yeah. remember God and what he's trying to teach you. And we often find these verses that help us uh, in whatever situation we're in. Uh, we talk about anxiety in Philippians 4. We talk about temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And to have that as an Ebenezer, not only physically, but then it becomes an Ebenezer for us mentally and spiritually. Yeah. Because as we memorize that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way for you to get out from underneath it to stand up under it. And uh, that has become a mental and spiritual Ebenezer for me when I'm yeah. feeling temptation. Uh, so we can move from the physical into the spiritual and mental as well. And I think those are important ways to remember who God is and what he wants for us. Now, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but as we're talking, I think it's important when we're talking about um, what the the Shema and the starts with an M, mezuzahs, mezuzahs um, can turn into we can do the the very same thing. Um, I know in, in my family, uh, I come from a Catholic background and the living room Bible mm. is yeah. no longer um, something that gets used. It's something that you don't touch because you don't want to break it. And I think there's a, a fine line where we as humans can take something that should be an Ebenezer and turn it into an idol yes. and turn it into something that uh, is no longer effective. How do we guard ourselves against that? Well, uh, that is a discipline that needs to come to become a habit. Mm. Uh, so when they were first given this idea of a mezuzah, it was to remember who God is and to recite those passages to themselves. Yeah. Instead, the object became the, the thing that was important rather than what the object contained. Mm. In the same way, your Bible becomes an object or an idol in the worst case scenario, rather than focusing on what it contains. That's an important thing to remember because the words of life, the words of comfort, the way we learn to live and be more like Jesus are contained in our Bibles. And if we're just looking at the outside of our Bible, we can't fulfill a promise. In John 16, around verse 25 or so, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come, the paraclete, the, the helper will come, and he will remind you of all the things that I have taught you. I think that's an important thing concept for us to grasp is that when we receive Christ, each of us receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And one of his ministries is to remind us of the things of God. 
which means you can only be reminded of that which you know in the first place. So if you just have a Bible and that has become just an object rather than opening it up, yeah. reading it, and taking it mm -hmm. in, then he can't remind you. Yeah. I'm going to remind you of something that you've never read, something that you've never heard. That's not okay. Yeah. The Holy Spirit reminds us. That's his ministry to us. But it means we have to be aware of it in the first place. So an Ebenezer of Scripture isn't just an object, but rather a resource. And how amazing. You know, one of the things that came out of this passage in Deuteronomy as we were talking as a worship team this week was the idea of how can you forget what God did? You're following a pillar of flame. You have manna raining down for you. Your clothes haven't worn out. You came out of this place of slavery. You watched the, maybe you saw the Red Sea get split still. And yet we see these moments where they can forget who God is. They didn't take the promised land because of their fear, because they weren't willing to trust in the same God who just brought them out of Egypt and, and destroyed an entire army. We sang a song this week called Same God. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I love the verses of that. I'm calling on the God of Moses. I'm calling on the God of David, the God, the God of Mary, um, where we can, as modern day Christians, we have God's word and the idea of getting into it. And I, I think a lot of us have this understanding of Ebenezer's that it's God, it's us remembering what God did specifically for us. And anything other than that is too ethereal for us to want to set an Ebenezer for. Um, but as we're talking about different scriptures that uh, touch our hearts, and as we encourage people to get into the scriptures, it's because the same God who brought the Israelites through Egypt is the same God yeah. who wants to bring us through. The same God, Jehovah Jireh, who provided water for them, and and, and the same God, Jehovah Rapha, who who um, cleared out that water of its muck. That's the same God that loves us. That's the same God who sent his son to die for us. So all of these scriptures, all of these verses should mean stuff to us when we know who God is. Mm -hmm. And if I can grab that metaphor and say, we can grow our Ebenezer's mm -hmm. to, to take and say, well, God provided for them. Here's a time God provided for me. Here's another time God provided for me. And as it, it grows, it becomes... Jesus becomes a rock in right. our lives that we hold on to. We remember not only what he did for his people, but what he did for me as one of his people. Helps me to look to the future. Yeah. It helps me to say, I can I can get past where I am because he's, he hasn't failed me in the past. He's not going to start now. I think that's part of a song, too. Yeah, I think it is. Um, we have so many good songs nowadays. We do. Um, yeah, and, and as we're looking at God's word... And as we start to understand, uh, I was just having a conversation with someone who just started taking our theology class that we offer here at Mountain View and was reading when we were going through Noah this week and he realized he came up to me and said, you know, I've heard that story so many times, but it wasn't until I started really diving into God's word to figure out like what immutability is, what God's uh, inability to change is, how much bearing that holds on my life and in the story of Noah why that's so important to know that God isn't going to change uh, because he's looking and he's, and he sees God's faithfulness towards Noah. His, he doesn't see, um, you know, a God who, who, who comes back on his promises. And so as we're reading through God's word, it's important for us to be reading, to understand. It's important for us to be reading, to seek who God is, because we can very quickly and easily going back to when we're first saved. And then, uh, Satan starts trying to turn us off course it's very easy for us to forget who Jehovah Jireh, uh, our God provides, is when you start looking at, hey, I just got this new job. That must have meant that I aced that job interview. It, it, and when we start to get to a place where it's no longer God doing things for his people, mm -hmm. uh, we start attributing it to ourselves. Yeah. 
and I think that's exactly what we see in Deuteronomy 8, where uh, Moses is telling the people, you're going to go, you're going to have your herds multiply, you're going to have your gold multiplied, and you're going to think it was you that did it. Yeah. When we get comfortable. That's heartbreaking. The, it is. And and I would I would just, you know, I want to say I'm heartbroken for other people, but I need to be heartbroken for myself as well, yeah. because it happens to all of us. Uh, when we fail to remember, and that's probably a, a good chance for us to say, it's why it's important we need to be in our word regularly. Mm. It's it's important as to why we are praying regularly, to be reminded and to be thankful every day, um, to to get up and to to pray and thank God for what's coming today. Today I I woke up and I said, okay, it's uh, this day of the week, and I've got this and this and this in front of me, and that reminds me that I need God's help through each and every one of those appointments. Yeah. Um, because as I look at those, I think each one of these uh, meetings, each one of these times of teaching could be a, a huge challenge coming and filming today. Yeah. Uh, what What do you want me to say, Lord? What do you want? And that prepares me and it also keeps me dependent on him yeah. so that my day actually becomes an Ebenezer to God, a reminder that I need him. Yeah. What are the steps we can take? As as Christian, I mean, let's just talk about ourselves, Christian men, Christian fathers, pastors. Um, what are some of the, the things that you do on a daily basis that helps you to remember that it's not by your own strength, that it's only by God's? Well, we always talk about uh, the ability to have multiple resources, which God is so gracious to provide. So get up in the morning and I pray. And I think one of the harder things to do is, is to, to remember that each moment of your life is a moment worth praying about, whether I'm driving in the car okay. or, or whether I'm just saying grace over a meal. It's, it's somebody you might come to mind. It's okay to pray then. Uh, in the middle of a, of a TV show, you might see something that reminds you of someone or a situation. You can pray at that mm -hmm. moment. There's even times uh, we've discussed the idea that I might be sitting in front of somebody and talking with them and I'm praying for them simultaneously. So, Having an attitude that I can pray at all times is great. Being uh, consistent in God's word. I'm not legalistic about you have to read so many verses or so many chapters at any given time. Yeah. But uh, the idea that God can only draw out what, what has already been put in. And he is so gracious to say, when I read the word because of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life, he illuminates truths and applications to, to who I am. So God has not only provided the material, he's provided an interpreter for me. Yeah. So being in the word, there's no substitute for that. And then, of course, being around other believers. How are you doing? Yes. How is your family? Yes. And I, you know, you and I can look at each other and we know each other's wives. And, and I think you have an amazing wife. And, and I want to remind you of that on a regular basis. And you remind me of how gracious my pride is to me. Uh, which we are two very undeserving, but grateful men. Amen. <laughs> and so we're reminded by God's people about things we'd be thankful for. And even in their difficulties, we're reminded that God has spared me that difficulty mm. or God has given us the opportunity to build into their lives. Those are practical steps we can take every single day. Uh, and I, I think very often our relationships, I, and I don't want to sound mean about this, they can be superficial. Let's talk about the things of the, of the day and not talk about the creator behind the things of the day. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with who you set yourself up to be around. I just had a young gentleman come back to the church today. Hasn't been here for a few years. 
Um, and my encouragement was one, awesome, you're here, you won that victory, but I don't think you're done because you don't have a community of, of men. I asked him, how many godly men are in your life? He said, zero. How many ungodly men are speaking into your life every day? A lot. I said, look around you. You see all these men in here, walk up to them, introduce yourself and start developing those relationships. Because especially here in Ramona, where it's just kind of a fishbowl. Yeah. I can't go a single day outside of this campus without running into somebody that I know from church. Praise the Lord for that. That helps keep me accountable, but it also means if I have a, a, a sour look on my face, the chances of me being stopped in public and people asking, are you okay, is high. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Support in relationships. So we talked about prayer. We talked about the word. We talked about having our relationship with God. But yeah. I was listening to uh, Dr. Donald Joy year, many years ago, and he was talking about, think about your relationships as a trampoline. Trampoline as well, the old trampolines were square or uh, rectangular, they had four sides to them. <laughs> You're dating yourself again. Uh, <laughs> now they're all round. So, But it's harder to put a number of sides to that. Sure. The idea is that we have family, we have extended family, we have church family, and we have friends. And if you don't have a balance between each of those, then the trampoline is not going to slant because you're lacking people in that area. And uh, for men and women... You, you need family. Now, for me, uh, my wife and I don't have much blood family around, but we have a family of God that is incredibly special to yeah. us. Uh, so we have that family. We have our own family with our kids and our grandkids. And then we each have people of, of our own gender who we can talk with. I am so incredibly blessed to be around a group of men I can share my heart with. They share their hearts with me. And I think there's a huge isolation problem in our country today. And I don't mean it's not you're around people, it's that, that you're not with people. Yeah. Uh, to where can you have honest conversation? Where do you have deep conversation? Most people have little to none. And without that, you're just left on an island by yourself. And that is not okay. I mean, that's the reason why we want to start this podcast. Right. Because we get to have these kind of conversations and they're so encouraging. Right. And they're so needed. I mean, how many times do we go through our day, get to about 1 p.m., and you're just flooded? You're just overwhelmed. And praise the Lord that we can walk down a hallway to each other and just, you know, this is where my heart's at. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's just venting. I just want to, to vent. and I want to know that I'm being heard. I suppose one of the other uh, avenues that God provides is what we practice here at our church, and that's our small groups, our life groups. Uh, for my life group, uh, we'll meet this week, and it'll be just an incredible time. Of we share we share meals. Mm -hmm. Not all groups do, but our our group shares a meal, and there's so much that happens over a dinner table. And then there we have times of prayer and times of worship, and then times of studying the word. And we do it as a group. And you can think about family, and then you can think about clan, and then you can think about community. So I have my family, my wife, my kids. I have my close friends. I have. Uh, my clan and my life group and I have a community in this church and all that's incredibly important. Those are resources that we should take advantage of. And if you don't, then you're going to be lonely. You're going to feel defeated. You won't be able to cling to those Ebenezers that we were talking about today. You will forget what God has done. Yes. And what Moses told the ancient Israelites is when you forget, you will go the way of the nations that you're about to put down in front of you in a similar way. When we forget, God does not forsake us. He does not leave us. But 
He allows us to feel the pain of that choice. Absolutely. He allows us to get to a place of, of hurting, of brokenness, of, of feeling like we're separate. Uh, you know, as you read through the Psalms and you see David's heart for uh, not wanting to be separated from God and not wanting to not feel his presence. There are people that are going to be listening to this that are going to feel like they're at that place right now. Without a doubt. And if nothing else, use this as an opportunity to remember that you need something. Yeah. Uh, so many people are going there, they don't even realize they need more. David realized he needed more. We should always realize we need more relationship. And the same God who loves us, the same God who's who's waiting for us to turn back to him, is the same God that you know we see in the prodigal son. This this the, that archetype of a dad standing on the doorstep with arms open, waiting for us to be walking down that pathway. So it's important for us to remember as we're talking about God, as we're talking about who he is, that he is also a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's a God of, of forgiveness, a God who sees us as more than our sins. And so uh, we talk all the time and what we want to use this podcast for is how we live and love more like Jesus every single day. One of the things that Jesus used to do to get refreshed is to escape and yeah. to have that quiet time with God. And I think that would be my encouragement if people are listening to this and are just not in a place where they're feeling the presence of God. Sometimes you have to do something drastic to pull yourself away from the busyness, to pull yourself away from your comfortability and to get back into time with God. And, and we talk about being in your word. We talk about being in prayer. We talk about being in community. And for a lot of people, that might sound scary. It might sound overwhelming. It might sound like something that only pastors have the time to do. But what are some real practical ways that we can encourage people right now to get into their word, to get into prayer time, to get into community so that they can start feeling that again? Mm -hmm. Community is probably easy to address because your church will have resources you know, at our church. You can go on to our website. You can call our office. You can talk to one of the pastors. We'll help you find that community of a life group. Um, when it comes to things like reading your word and prayer, Start off small. So, so many people say, I've, yeah, you're right. I got to get back on it. So I'm going to read 15 chapters a day and pray for two hours before. I'm going to start in numbers. And it, and it yeah. <laughs> and it lasts a good 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, start small. Yeah. Don't have to master everything at once, but begin a habit. Whatever mm -hmm. that habit is, even if it's only the one verse that you write down or have on your phone, and you can look at it for this week. And then find somebody to share it with, whether it's a, a spouse, a friend, or um, some other people in your lives that you have a connection with spiritually. Those are really small steps that you can start with. And then like working out, like running, you can, and by the way, I do neither. But like those activities, I'm told, you can slowly grow and strengthen stamina. Yeah. But do it one day at a time. You don't start off today running a marathon. You start off today running to the end of the block. Yeah. And, okay. and I've always found the most, the easiest way for me to, to get into that mode and to get into that habit is when I, when I know I'm struggling with something, a lot of the time Satan has just gotten my heart. Yeah. Um, he's just, uh, you know, he's taken me off course to this point where I made the choice, but there's something going on that's just destroying me. Um, and there have been times where it's been spiritual warfare and somebody has brought up to me, you know, Hey, when was the last time you read through Ephesians chapter six? Mm-hmm. Whoa, look at that. You know, when was the last time you were in James and, and, and looking at resisting the devil and turning to God? And, and so these, dif these different verses people will give me, those become my meditate, like what I want to meditate on. 
And that's a, a really easy way. I, my encouragement would be it, it, talk to somebody who's wise, talk to somebody who's godly, let them know what's going on. And they, they can almost a hundred percent point you to the scripture that will be speaking to you at this time. Uh, you know, we joked about going to numbers, but oftentimes people get their 365 day plan goes off in numbers because it's really hard to, 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 to focus in on that point for a lot of us. Um, whereas if you are doing like an old Testament, new Testament thing where you're in the epistles and you're in the old Testament, sometimes you can get a little more encouragement sure. from that. But God's word is meant to be dived into. It's meant to be studied. It's meant to be something that we want to to uh, meditate on. Yeah. And so. And that's a great word. Meditate means to chew on it, not to just read it. Okay, I read it. I've I've done my thirty seconds for the day. Now it's to stop and to to chew on the word. So when I we earlier I quoted First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. If I'm in a meditative mode, I start saying, okay, first of all, don't buy the lie that I'm alone. Yeah. There's nothing that I have encountered that I that haven't. That makes me think about Jesus, our high priest, who's able to, to sympathize because he was tempted in every way, just as I am, yet was without sin. Okay, so I'm not alone. Don't buy that lie. No temptation except that which is common to man. Other people have it. Um, and then we have the ability to stand up under it because God is with us. So as you go through each of the phrases of the verse, just consider what it, that phrase means. That's a method of meditating that most people either are unaware of or not able to grasp uh, or put it into part of their lives. It doesn't take very long to meditate, surprisingly, because we think much faster yeah. than maybe when we read or we hear. So thinking about each of those phrases, but slowing down and saying that phrase has implications. Yeah. This phrase has implications. So knowing God's word, mm -hmm. meditating on God's word. Yeah. That's what allows us to not forget. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we, as we go all the way back to how we started this thing with, you know, new believers and, and that, that idea of Satan trying to pull us off one degree or another, we have to remember that we are justified uh, by the, by the, Sacrifice of Jesus Christ, right. that that will not change. But the sanctification process is also not going to be a straight up the entire time. There are going to be dips. There are going to be valleys. But we have a calling on ourselves to continue to pursue him. And so uh, Pastor Jason, wonderful songwriter who works here, but he has a song called He Runs to You. Okay. It doesn't matter what yesterday looked like. It doesn't matter, um, you know, where you've come from. You're here now. You know, and he talks about letting letting God's grace wash you over to continue to move yourself forward, knowing that we have a God and and uh, a God who loves us and a God who wants us to be with him. That that should be an encouragement for all of us, regardless of where we're at in our walk, to remember that truth mm -hmm. and to come back to who God is, is a way that we can continue to move forward in our relationship and continue our sanctification process with him. Right. Just as just this thing about meditation is, is important to me. And if you think about it, what we've just done in the last 30 to 40 minutes is meditated on yeah. Deuteronomy 8. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a, a train of a free flow of thought that is God-centered. Yeah. And that's that's worth doing. Well, we hope that this was encouraging to you. We hope that um, as you listen to our mad ramblings, uh, God spoke through us and um if you guys have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment below. Uh, again, you'll find our emails in there. You're welcome to reach out to us uh, so that we can uh, get back to you. And uh, we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you.